Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. God told me to tell you this. That's paganism. Do you really expect and anticipate that the divine voice of God can be heard by you? That's horoscope reading. Standing in the office of the prophet of God. That's reading tea leaves. You can't have a relationship to God if you can't hear God. That is not biblical Christianity. You want to hear God speak to you? Read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. I promise you 100% guaranteed you will hear him speak. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's get in the mood, shall we? This is Wretched Radio. Before we jump into all of this theology business, talking about what the Bible teaches, I say, how's about we get in the mood with a little contemporary worship music? One. Chorus with no instruments. Just the voice. Chorus, just the voices. Come on, Chorus yo. with no instruments. Little high. Chorus with the key change. Chorus. 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 I think I'm catching on. Chorus. Definitely in the mood. Sloppy, sloppy kisses. Singing passionate. I know I'm being vague. This song not about my ex. It was. This song's about Jesus. Really? This song's about Jesus. I would have known. This song's about Jesus. We forgot to mention Jesus. Yeah, it's okay these days. Pick it up, boys! Problems are gone. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. Now that we're in the mood, let's open our Bibles to some unexpected verses that presumably endorse female pastors. You say, what verses are those? The only verses we tend to read about the role of women as an elder say that that is verboten. Well, silly rabbit, you're not reading your Bible the way that Pastor Rick Warren is recently appearing on a podcast interview with SBC Ethics and Religious, former SBC Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. That's a long title right there. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, Who are you? Well, I'm the former SBC Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission President Russell Moore. This was posted last week. Rick Warren said, we have to approach scripture humbly and that the church at its best was the church at its birth. Um, First of all, I don't know that that's historically factual. When you read the epistles, you read nothing but trouble, (laughs) correctives, problems, rebukes. Why? Because the church of the first century was not any more sacred or holy than the church of the 21st century. The struggles and the challenges that we have today, they existed in the first century. And this really is worth making a point over because so many people, they talk about, we got to go back to our roots, man. Okay, you want to go back to the Corinthian roots where a dude was sleeping with his father's wife? Is that the roots you want to return to? Is it the Judaizer heresy in the Galatian church? 
Is it the Gnosticism that is already being exposed in Colossians? Which of these wonderful first century churches do you favor? Because all of them had struggles. And this isn't to besmirch them, but it is to make the point. For those people longing, if we could just go back and do it that way. All right. You say, let's go back further. No, I want to go back to Pentecost because look what happened. Acts 2, 42, 43. People got saved. They did life together, man. And they, they sold all of their stuff. Well, actually, they didn't sell all of their stuff. They sold some of their stuff as there was need, as they determined. But lo and behold, these two characters, Ananias and Sapphira, kind of trash the ideal that we imagine was the first century church immediately after Pentecost. They were killed for lying to and about God. Are you sure we want to go back to that church? So if perhaps... You've ever thought, if only I could go back to, you say, well, okay, I want to go back to the Middle Ages church. Really? And not be able to understand the Bible because it's written and spoken in Latin? Or you want to be a part of a church where we saw an awful lot of chicanery, shall we say? Well, I want to go back to the church of the 16th century. You mean during the time of the Reformation? Now, I grant you, it would be fascinating to have lived there, but to think that somehow that was the best, man. If I could just live in Geneva, or if I could just live in Wittenberg, not Wittenberg. Trust me, there is a very big difference if you get on a train. Make sure it's to Wittenberg, not Wittenberg. Luther had all kinds of struggles and challenges inside of the church. They all did. You want to go to Scotland? With the thundering Scott, John Knox, um, constantly in danger, living with a wicked queen. I think we fail to understand that the church, it's had its ups and downs when it comes to theological dynamics. But there's always been a challenge of being a Christian in a local body. Why? Because we're not yet glorified. Rick Warren claiming the church at its best was the church at its birth. Quote, This is not a battle between liberals and conservatives. Well, actually, I believe it is precisely that. Liberal and conservative in how we handle the Bible, quote, all the liberals left a long time ago. Jimmy, did you know that? Had no idea. In the SB, all the the liberals are gone. Hmm. Not one. Like those other five churches that were disfellowshipped because they had women preachers. Other than that, they've all pretty much gone. Quote, everybody in the SBC believes in the inerrancy of Scripture. I don't know how to affirm or deny that. Now we are talking about difference of interpretation. We sure are. But here's the problem with saying, therefore, it's okay if some of us have an understanding of the role of women in in the role of elder. If we can't get that, you undermine that. Everything else goes, including the deity of Jesus Christ. Seriously, it's so clear. It just is. It isn't. This is why the church really has not debated it for 2000 years. Even the Marxist who is running the Roman Catholic Church these days hasn't been bold enough to install women as priests because it's so clear to everybody. This isn't just a matter of interpretation. This is this is a matter of not mangling the Bible to make it say what you want it to say. Here are the three verses that the Purpose Driven Life pastor cited. And by the way, if you're thinking, hey, um, your name and names here. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people who listen to the Russell Moore podcast with Rick Warren were upset because Rick Warren actually named John MacArthur 
Quote, John MacArthur doesn't even cover these verses. He just skips over it. He named names. The question isn't, can we name names? That's, that's not the issue. How will we talk about one another? That's valid. But to say that we can't talk about one another publicly when people are making public comments. This is a public effort to persuade people to change 2,000 years of church history. Jimmy, verse number one, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Uh-huh. We claim that we believe that the Great Commission is for everybody, both men and women, to fill the Great Commission. There are four verbs in the Great Commission. Um, actually, I think it's one verb and four participles, nevertheless. There are four verbs in the Great Commission. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Women, no, it's while going. While going is the part. Right? But it's not for, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain it's not four verbs. That quibble aside. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Women are to go. Women are to make disciples. Women are to baptize, and women are to teach, not just men. What do we do with? Is he right? And the answer is no. Why? Because a woman can indeed teach. She can share the gospel. But the epistles, they put rules around it. Furthermore, what Jesus was saying in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, that's the Great Commission. It was not a statement on church polity and the roles of men and women in the church. Verse number two. Pentecost, Acts 2. We know women were in the room. Well, it doesn't say that, but okay. We know women were filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that women were preaching in languages. No, they, they were, yes, they were speaking truth about the gospel. That wasn't in the church. That wasn't as in the role of elder. Of course a woman can teach the God. Of course she can. And go to the streets. Go to the highways and the byways. Compel people to come in. Teach the kids, teach women. Of course, the epistles tell us this was not referring to the office of elder in the church. So we know that they were doing this. We know women, it wasn't just men, women were preaching on the day of Pentecost. They were proclaiming the gospel. Preaching is the authoritative office inside of the church. His third verse of evidence was John 20, 17, when Jesus told Mary Magdalene to tell the disciples about his resurrection, noting that Jesus chose her to be the first preacher of the gospel. Well, no, actually, the disciples had already been commissioned to do just that. Furthermore, he was the first preacher of the gospel. John the Baptist was the forerunner, if you want to make him first, regardless. To go and share that Jesus was resurrected did not say, and Mary Magdalene, you can also be an elder in a local church. It just isn't the same thing. And so Rick Warren trying to make the biblical case to flip 2,000 years of church history. Did he persuade you? I hope not. This is Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. 
We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines, not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org Bible. Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's transformed and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of His Word, then Transform is for you. It's a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org. If and you don't mind me saying so, I resonate with this sentiment from Dan Steiner of Preborn Ministries. To be able to look across America and see this whole Holocaust of abortion and know that people like you are doing something about it. It's one thing to say that we're against abortion, but it's really another to take action. Do you resonate with that sentiment? Then please consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Ultrasounds save lives. For $28, you will be providing an ultrasound that 80% of the time causes the mother to choose life. That's really doing something. May I ask, how many babies' lives could you save for $28 each? Preborn Ministries also preaches the gospel to the mommies and the daddies, and you can learn more at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. It is a thorough, systematic presentation of the gospel. The two major themes are sin and righteousness. Sinners are counted righteous by imputation of Christ's righteousness. If you wish to understand the gospel, the clearest, most thorough explanation is in the book of Romans. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Ladies, it's time for... A cage match. This is Wretched Radio. Let's be honest, inside of a local church, you're going to have people with disagreements. They can squabble. Well, I'm here to tell you today that women who have disagreements should enter into an MMA ring and have at it so that they can be of one mind. And you would rightly ask, wait a second. What Bible verse is that? Well, I would tell you it's Philippians 4, 2 through 3. Here it is. I plead with Iodia and I plead with Syntyche or Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes. And I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. 
There you have it right there. Two women who disagree should be of the same mind and they should enter into a cage match to settle the dispute. And there should be a man who referees it. So there you have it. Ladies, if you ever get into an argument, take it to a cage match. Jimmy? Yes. What do you think of my interpretation there? It's pretty good. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. What's, what was the problem with what I did to Philippians 4? Oh, you, you, you eisegeted it. What do you mean I eisegeted it? You, you imported your... Hey, do you never watch cable TV and see women fighting? I do. When it's done, they hug. I mean, when once the one of the women, you know, wakes up from being knocked out, <laughs> they right. hug each other. Look at the unity and the love that they have for one another after they spend time beating each other's brains out. Now it makes sense. See, that's why Yodia and Syntyche were commanded to go into a cage match. Clearly, that's what was going on. And you would say, clearly, dude, you are bringing what you want into the text and making it say what it clearly does not. And that is precisely what I see happening with the effort to try to make the biblical case that women should be in the role of elder in a local church. Pastor Rick Warren, who himself names names, specifically John MacArthur's, accusing him of not actually dealing or engaging with these texts. And I suspect he never did engage with them like this because nobody's ever understood these texts like this. That the Great Commission was given to men and women, therefore women can be pastors. Nobody ever thought like that because it's not in the text. Mary Magdalene being commanded to run and tell the disciples what had happened on resurrection morning did not say, oh, and by the way, I'm installing you as an elder in a local church. But that's being smashed into the text. And that is eisegesis, which I think we need to clearly reject. However, Pastor Rick Warren, while appearing on Russell D. Moore, the former president of the something, 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 and another of the SBC, went on to try to make his case further. Let us engage with his argument to see if Rick Warren is right. And 2,000 years of godly preachers and teachers have been totally wrong. He said this, the people who don't like that or ignore those verses. John MacArthur doesn't even cover that verse. He just skips over it. And I have to say with humility, it doesn't bother me if you disagree with me. For 2,000 years, the church has debated the role of women in culture. No, it hasn't debated it. It really, it just hasn't been debated because it is that clear. And by the way, that is going to be the key issue here. If a church or a pastor cannot read what is so clear just toss out the rest of the Bible. This is an interpretation issue to be certain. So here were his defenses for his newfound position. I need to stand up for the pastors who are scared to death by this inquisition. All right. You don't have to watch history of the world part, whatever it was, to know what the inquisitions are. This was a horrible chapter in Roman Catholic history where people were put on racks. What people? Jewish people, why were they tortured to force them to profess faith in the Roman Catholic Church? And they were killed. Some of them pretended, okay, fine, you're going to put me on the rack. I'll pray to Mary if that's what you want. But that was a horrible, brutal, 
villainous, murderous chapter in Roman Catholic history. The Southern Baptist Convention upholding their statement of faith is hardly an inquisition. Nevertheless, we hope it was just hyperbole. And I think I need to stand up for the millions of godly Southern Baptist women whose gifts and leadership skills are being stymied. No, they're not. There is not a woman in the church who is being forbidden to teach in every realm and in every aspect. They're just not. Is it limited? Yes, it is. Why? Why does God organize the church? Because if he didn't organize it, we'd never be able to do it. You wouldn't do it in your home. You wouldn't do it in culture. You wouldn't do it at work. If the children could say, I just feel called to be the parent. Therefore, let me in. You'd say, no, go to your room. I'll be up in a moment. If you said to your boss, hey, I've got the gifts for being a boss. Do you want to just pack up your stuff right now? Because I've got the gifts. Tell that to the government. Tell that to your teacher. I've got the, I've got the gift of being a professor. Therefore, I'm going to start teaching the class in myself. You, you would be thought to be, um, let's just say, confused. And the same thing is true in the church. This is not God being sexist. He is not being a misogynist. He is not being cruel. He is not stymieing women from using their gifts. He's just directing them, which we need. And really, isn't this argument really what is exactly the reason we have such clear directives in the Bible? Because we are arguing about it. And it was made crystal clear. Imagine if God hadn't spoken on the subject. This seriously, every church would be Lord of the Flies. It would be, it would be just utter chaos inside of the church. So Rick Warren said, I need to stand up for the pastors who are scared to death by the Inquisition, to stand up for the millions of godly Southern Baptist women whose gifts and leadership skills are being stymied. Women can lead in different capacities. The issue is teaching and authority. It isn't sharing the gospel with strangers. It isn't about sharing the gospel with your kids. It isn't about teaching women. It isn't about teaching children. It is restricted to this office of authority for the sake of order, which we need. Now, he does bring up what appears to be a pretty powerful argument. Let's engage. Rick Warren told Russell Moore that while he believed that churches should be expelled from the SBC, okay, so he does believe there are times when people should be expelled. And here's his list. For sin, okay, hold on. SBC churches should be expelled for sin. Then every SBC church should be expelled because every SBC church has sinners, including the pastor. Now, I know this was an interview when he was talking, but he should have been clear because if this is his argument, then it, sh it should be delivered with some clarity. Now, if it is the pastor who is living in unrepentant sin, ah, that's a different issue. But he should be expelled from the pulpit because he's unqualified. Can I use that word? He's unqualified to be in the pulpit and he should be removed. And I would say this, that if you've got a pastor in a local church in the SBC who is living in unrepentant sin, and then he goes on to list sexual abuse, other sexual sins, he should be removed. And the SBC, I don't know all of their bylaws, they should do everything that they possibly can to get the guy out because he is living in a church discipline scenario and he is not qualified for that office. So Rick Warren says, sin, racism, 
sexual abuse and other sexual sins, things like that, you should be booted. But having a woman serving as a pastor should not be one of them. What might be a distinction here? What might be the difference? We're talking about a theological statement. If there were a church in the SBC who said, no, we don't think sin is a problem. Thumbs up to racism. We love sexual abuse and other sexual sins. Yeah, you're right. Then they should be (laughs) removed because they are denying what the Bible clearly teaches. And that's what a church is doing who installs women in the office of elder. This is more than just an issue of interpretation. Uh, Jimmy. Yes. I'm holding a book right now. Okay. Can, can, can you read what it says on the cover? The MacArthur Study Bible. Yeah, this is a book about a captain who goes fishing and, um, and he uh. stabs a whale, but he ends up dying. Oh, okay. All right. You'd go, wait, wait a second. You, you Not clearly that. don't understand what it says. That's the issue here. If, if, this, if this were an issue, okay, you've got a different interpretation. For instance, on women are be, will be saved through childbirth. I can get that because we identify that as being a pretty challenging verse. But that's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with something clear. Furthermore, and this is what should be emphasized, this prohibition is a kindness from God. I know I'm a man and it's easy for me to say that. But we know that God is benevolent. God is kind. He's not cruel to women. And so when he gives a clear command, like I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over man, it must be for our good. No exceptions. This is Wretched Radio. And it's time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. And first up, we go to Germany, where in response to a discrimination claim, women in Berlin are now going to be allowed to go topless at public pools. Because, you know, nothing says family-friendly or non-discriminatory like a bunch of topless women lounging around the pool. Another news, a recent study found that more than half of Christians say they sometimes doubt their religious beliefs. You know, doubt, it can be healthy in the proper context because there are things that we should question and we need to be sure about before we just blindly believe. But this study does go on to claim that 19% of, quote, practicing Christians say they have doubts because of human suffering. Look, I get it. No one wants to suffer. Nobody wants to have hard times. But suffering is something Jesus said believers would endure. This place, this world, it's not our home. We will suffer for Christ as Christians, and we should expect that to be a normal part of our walk. And in legal news, later this week, a judge will hold a hearing in a case that could block the abortion pill nationwide. That would be a huge win, but I also wouldn't expect anything less than a fight to the death from our current administration. Also, a bill in Scotland is seeking to legalize abortions up to birth, and the state of West Virginia is asking the Supreme Court to uphold a law that protects women's sports from trans athletes. You know, and I wonder, I know this is going to sound ridiculous to you, but I do wonder when somebody's going to try to get animals into the Olympics or something like that. I mean, we should not think that that type of thing is too far-fetched. 
In Nevada, the largest Christian school in the state has recently come under fire. It had to. I don't know why this story says it had to, but it took down a poster that contained a racial slur and not a good racial slur that anybody wants to say or anybody wants to hear. And I'm not entirely sure how that particular racial slur got put up on a poster in a Christian school to begin with, especially the largest Christian school in the state. You'd think there'd be enough people floating around to question that before it actually got put up on the wall. But it seemed to fly under the radar. Well, it seems like the NHL's Minnesota Wild are the latest hockey team choosing not to wear the LGBT rainbow jerseys on Pride Night. And finally, let's talk a little bit about Greta Thunberg. Do we have to? Well, you might find it as entertaining as I did that the teenage climate activist recently deleted a tweet from five years ago where she said humanity would be completely and totally wiped out by climate change unless we stop using fossil fuels by 2023. Delete the tweet and it's like she never even said it. Brilliant. <laughs> and that's your Wretched News break. More Wretched Radio. It is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is mercy. Those who possess this gift are able to show compassion and comfort the afflicted, people who are sick, dying, or bereaved. God cares about the things that afflict us and has provided comfort in troubled times. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, yes, wait a minute, this is Wretched Radio. Got an email. And this one is just for you. Dude, you may recall last week on this year Wretched Radio program, we discussed what is being identified and labeled as Peter Pan Syndrome, a generation, not all of them, but generally a generation that doesn't desire to race to adulthood, to stay in adolescence or even childhood. I read a number of the symptoms. Don't do dishes, don't do laundry, don't fold the clothes. You're just stuck. And that is the term that is being described to to those folks who don't appear to be prepared for what is called adulting, which is why this email is for you, young man. Thank you for sending this, Robert. Dear Mrs. Friel's husband, that's me. I'm a 24-year-old male, and I've always had trouble with adulting. I didn't start college until I was 21, didn't move out till 22, have always put off chores, dishes, would only get done uh, if I needed them, like I had to have them, but otherwise I couldn't because the sink was full of them. Laundry gets done when I had no clean clothes, and the bed sheets got changed quarterly. Until a few weeks ago, I also used social media on my phone A lot with the tracking devices. It was six hours a day. That included two to three hours of TikTok, at least an hour of YouTube, and an hour of social media like Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, etc., and five minutes on the Bible app. I always felt like I didn't have time for anything, that I was too busy to get things done in a reasonable amount of time. But things changed. Over the last two months, I've been weaning myself off of social media, ultimately deleting every single non-business, non-school app on my phone and made accessing social media on my computer much more difficult. 
This is fascinating. Here's the conclusion of the matter. This act changed my life. It's only been a couple of weeks, but the change was sudden and dramatic. And overnight, I became one of those people who tells others that they need to delete their social media because it's poison. And indeed, it is poison, writes Robert. This is one man's story. It might be yours, too. It's fascinating. Mrs. Friel and I, because I am Mrs. Friel's husband, we were talking about this issue. I said, what would it be like if we got rid of our iPhones and just got one of those flip phones for texting? And we discussed all of the changes that would take place. And even as we discuss the things that we would lose, I still wonder how much might we gain? Now, I'm not a social media guy just by nature. Nevertheless, I use it, for instance, emails sent to idea at wretched.org. If I've got some downtime, I'll go through them so that I can respond, which I think emails deserve a response. That would go. So what would happen? I'd have to organize my day to simply do them at the office. Would that be the end of the world? Maybe I'd have to get better, more efficient. Maybe I'd have to come up with ways of being able to respond more thoroughly, fasterly. I, I don't know, but it wouldn't be the end of the world, would it? If I can't, by the way, a blessing of social media, we, we want to go to this place. We want to go to that restaurant. Well, I guess we'd have to, I don't know, call the restaurant, use a map to find the restaurant, get directions to the restaurant. Would that human action, interaction be such a terrible loss? No, I know it's a loss of a convenience. But it wouldn't be the end of the world. What might I gain in time? And that's what Robert is about. And by the way, just this one is totally free. If you work in a restaurant and you want to make more tips, can I, can I just give you a little, just a little waitron? Because there's no more waiters or waitresses. A little waitron advice. Um, look around. Never leave your section without your hands full. That that little tip alone, and when you put the food down for somebody, don't run away as fast as you can. I'm just saying you're going to get better tips. Not that that happened to us over the weekend. I'm just saying. Let's go back to uh, the email from Robert. The changes due to one thing, boredom. You, before, every time I got bored, I'd reach for my phone. So instead, now, of just lying in bed, scrolling on my phone, I did the next most fun thing, which was to wash the dishes. Then I folded the laundry. I decluttered my nightstand, cleaned up around my side of the bed, rearranged my bookshelf. This is why social media is poison. It's an outlet for boredom, which I am now convinced is a gift God gives to us to make our daily chores more bearable. When we get bored, we reach for our phones instead of doing the things we know we need to do. Our home is the cleanest. It's been since I moved in. I'm praying more than I have at any point since God saved me. And frankly, here's this. Listen to this line. I truly feel like a man for the first time in my life. Doing chores helped him to feel like a man. Why? Because he wasn't frittering away his time. He was doing something to help the household. He, he was doing something to beautify the blessings that God had given to him in a home. He wasn't just mindlessly wasting time. Now, if you're a young man and you say, whoa, that sounds impossible. I don't know that I can do that. How, how could I develop that habit? 
You ready for this? You develop that habit by doing it. You say, no, I don't want to give up my phone. Give up your phone and you'll want to give up your phone. You say, I don't want to read my Bible. I say, read your Bible and you'll want to read your Bible. I don't pray as much as I should be praying. Then start praying and you'll pray more. And you say, I don't know that that makes sense. Then let me offer to you the latest Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford. Listen to it again when it dropped on Saturday. So good. It's going to be a multiple part series on the subject of habits, how to develop them. And his thesis out of the gate is you develop a habit by doing things repeatedly. In other words, you do the habit and then the habit just becomes a part of your character. That is how you develop a habit. You just do it. That's right. Nike theology. Just do it. The first thing that I want to show you is that according to the scripture, your desires are actually shaped through what you do on a regular basis. Philosophers have repeatedly said that you do what you want, but we could also say that what you want is because of what you do. This is perhaps one of the most significant ideas to grasp in habit development. Many of us are struggling with a desire to do something, and so we don't do it. Yet we've never realized that the action of doing it is what helps cultivate the desires to do it. Biblically speaking, there are different habits that demonstrate this, but let me first of all tell you about the passage in Scripture that teaches this. So if you have your Bible, let's go over to Philippians chapter 2. While you're turning there, did you catch that? You do something regularly, repeatedly, whether you want to or not. And as you do, you are establishing a habit which will become your ongoing desire, which incidentally will become a part of your character. You say, I need a Bible verse to support that. Here you go. Philippians 2 is a passage where Paul is immediately finishing a conversation about the incarnation and how Jesus humbled himself. And then he says in verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Verse 12 says, hey, in light of Christ's obedience in verse 1 through 11, you obey. And, and you obey because you are already a Christian. You work out your salvation. You don't work for your salvation, but it's an expression of the change that has already taken place. Now, verse 13 says, as you work out your salvation with God's grace and God's help, uh, salvation can't be worked out in your own strength, by the way. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, John 15, verse 5. So no, I, I can't work out my salvation in my own strength and just kind of muscle myself up to be able to honor the Lord, but I use the resources he's provided to honor him, his spirit, his word, his church. So I work out my salvation. You work out your salvation. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. As you are obedient, God does something inside of you, and it's that he actually changes your desire to will. That's what verse 13 is speaking about, that you actually want something different based off of the fact that God used your obedience to change your desires. So it shouldn't shock me in a way if my desires never change because my actions haven't changed. I'm not being obedient to do what God calls me to do. See, our frequent practices of obedience 
they don't only glorify the Lord. They don't only do good to others and help me get stuff done. Those are the purposes. But the effects are that I personally change whenever I am being obedient to the Lord. Well, then, that's one way to develop character. Nike theology, just do it, and the Lord will increasingly give you the desire to do the thing that we are commanded to do. That is how we establish godly habits. But there are more helps from Dr. Greg Gifford on the Transform podcast next on Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, it's another day and another Wretched Radio. Thank you so much for listening. And also, thank you for your generous support. You may have donated to us in the past, and for that, we are so grateful. But I do want to be honest with you. We need prayerful and financial support to continue reaching the world with the gospel. And you know, when you become a Wretched Gospel partner, you help us. You help us produce quality and biblically sound productions like Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed. And you know, our goal has never changed here at Wretched. We want to reach millions of lost souls with the life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we also have a very strong desire to be prudent with your donations and to steward God's money as if eternity depended on it. Join our efforts in preaching the gospel, equipping people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. We ask for your prayerful as well as your financial support. Just visit wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Mexican. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like perspicuity, the clarity of Scripture, 
God uses the text of Scripture to clearly communicate His character and will. God has not hidden His will for only the enlightened few to find. His truth can be clearly understood by anyone who reads His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you don't feel like doing it, it's because you're not doing it. This is Wretched Radio. How do we change? Dr. Greg Gifford in his excellent Transform podcast available wherever you do your podcasting business. This recent episode, he's starting a new series on developing habits. We don't do it the way the world does it. How do they tell you to form a habit? They give you a carrot. If you will fill in the blank, you'll get fill in the blank. You start to work like this, you'll be more productive and you'll get a bonus. If you lose weight, get in better shape, you'll be more attractive and people will want to go out on a date with you. In other words, our motivation is very self-serving according to the world. Do it for your own sake. That is not why we do what we do as Christians. We develop habits so that God can be glorified. So that those ongoing habits, as we just heard Dr. Gifford share from Philippians chapter 2, they become our desires the more that we do them, even though we didn't desire to do them initially. Then it becomes who you are. That's working out your salvation. You don't work for your salvation. Once you have been saved, now you just work it out, and this is how you do it. You do what you're supposed to do, even though you don't feel like doing it. And here's the benefit. You'll be glorifying God first and foremost, and he's going to give you the desire to do the things that you didn't want to do before. It's just do it theology. Dr. Greg Gifford, if you are not getting this podcast, I'm telling you, you are missing the boat. Um, There's so much here for all of us in this particular instance for you, young man, maybe young lady. You do not have good habits. You don't feel like advancing to the next stage of your life. You need to start doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. And if you do, God will increasingly give you the desire to do those things. And as we heard in a very, wow, what a very mm, mm, transparent email from Robert. He gave up all of his social media, and now he's doing stuff around the house. He's getting things done. I suspect he has time to serve at his local church. He might have time to start up that side hustle that he's interested in. And how did he do it? Well, he just started doing it, and now all of a sudden, when he started doing it and realized the blessing of it, it's what he wants to do, even though he initially didn't want to do it. So if you don't want to get the Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Giver, just do it, and you'll want to do it. Let me just share one habit with you that does this. And then I think uh, what I'll do is I'll save the other habits for our next episode. So you'll have to stay tuned here. That's a teaser. When you look at the scripture where Jesus talks about in Matthew 6 that you are to actually give of your resources, this is typically where we would say a tithe or an offering, whatever term you want to use. But Jesus does say that you are to lay up for yourself treasures in heaven in Matthew 6, verse 19, 20, 21. The way that you give and the way that you give frequently is important, not because God needs your money uh, and he's got bills to pay. And, and if you don't give it, God can't make ends meet. That's not it. He's independent. He doesn't need us. 
Rather, your giving does something to your heart. Verse 21 of Matthew 6 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The frequent action of giving does something to your heart in that it steers and directs it. When you give to something, uh, whether it's a local church or a missionary or a nonprofit or the Boys and Girls Club, whatever it is, as you give to it, something changes in you where you actually care about it. You take interest in it. You read the update letters. You want to know the welfare of that organization or that church. Why do you care now? Why do, out of all the churches in all of the states, why do you care about that church? Well, in part because you're giving to it and you're interested to see how the Lord is working through that. How did that happen? How did your, your desire change? It changed through the frequent practice of obedience. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying, that part of why you need to give and give so that you are sacrificially doing so, according to Paul in Corinthians, is not so that you could resource all these sweet uh, ministries. And that is, that's part of the blessing, but that's not the reason. I keep my focus on things of heaven and not things of earth. See, if I'm not careful, I can be stingy, greedy, store up a lot of money and yet have no investment into heaven. And that is, that's dangerous, not only to me, but it's dangerous to those who are around me. First Timothy 6 says that those who desire to be rich, they actually hurt themselves. They pain themselves with many pains. So the reality is that your desire is changed by you giving, how do you care about giving? How do you care about missionaries? How do you, well, if you're not giving, then you won't care. And it's not going to happen because God uses that frequent practice. So we'll stop here for today. What I'll do when we pick up in our next episode. That's a teaser. Well done, Gifford. Man, he's picking up the radio business just like that. He's whip smart. He's a biblical counselor, professor, or person. At the Masters University, the podcast can be found wherever you do podcasting stuff. It's well worth your time. This series to develop habits. If you're young, you want to be outstanding in some regard, this is the way to do it. Just read a statistic which may or may not shock you about the average IQ in America. It is declining for the first time in a century. Analyzing the time between 2006 and 2018, the study's authors note the biggest decline in IQ occurred among Americans between the ages of 18 and 22. If you're that age, your peers, they ain't getting smarter. You say, I don't like to study. Study. You say, I don't want to put in that work. Work, and guess what's going to happen? You will glorify God. He will give you the desire to study, and you're going to be smarterer, like me is, and you want that. That is an opportunity for you to develop. You're not a good student. Be a good student. It's that, that this isn't circular. This is biblical. God gives you the desires as you develop these godly habits. Here's another godly habit. Survey says over half of Christians say they sometimes experience doubts about their religious beliefs. That ain't good. By the way, this was an interesting side note in this particular survey that was done, that the unbelievers, non-practicing Christians are more likely than practicing Christians to have doubts about their faith. That means they might be interested in talking to you. 
Half of those who are Christian or have some sort of Christian background experience what they call a prolonged period of doubt. Please note, doubt is not disbelief. It's doubt. It's confusion. 50% experience that. How do you not experience that? You trust. You trust. You persevere. You believe God. You take him at his word. And maybe you do some practical things like not go scrolling around the Internet looking for all the dopey arguments which have been deflated a million times by people who are apologists for the Christian faith. There isn't an assault on the Bible that has not been rendered void countless times. How do you how do you grow in assurance? Trust God saved you. You say, but I don't. That's my problem. Do it. Believe him. Take him at his word. Trust that he says, you repent, put your trust in my son. I'll never cast you out. Nobody's going to snatch you from my hand. Nobody is going to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God is not a gift giver who includes a receipt where he maybe takes it back and gives himself a refund on your salvation. Trust it. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to trust it more. Developing godly habits. Jimmy, get ready for this one. Okay. This is this might appear to be self-serving because it really is, nevertheless. I hold in my never before nicotine stained fingers two job positions here at Wretched Radio and TV. And you say, I don't want to work there. I say, apply. <laughs> we'll hire you and after a while, you'll actually want to work here. You know, I don't know that I can deliver on that promise. I'll be honest with you. Go to our, go to our website, wretched.org slash careers, I think, and you will see that we are looking for a marketing coordinator, somebody who's in marketing, got to have five years of experience. We're looking for somebody who's really good at marketing. Why? Because, well, we want to be like the prosperity preachers and fly in a private jet. Sorry, that is not the reason that we do this. We just want to reach more people and you can help us do that. And you want to work in a Christian environment with the exception of Jimmy, of course. Please visit wretched.org slash careers and a production manager. Again, five years of experience. And I, I'm telling you, just based on the authority of Greg Gifford, you apply at wretched.org slash careers. And you'll actually want to work here or something like that. If you want to be outstanding, young person, here's the way to do it. Reject a lot of the time wasters. Don't go to all. I didn't say none. I did, just don't go to all of the activities and amusements that you can go to. Hunker down. And might I suggest you take the lead from the book of Proverbs seriously Read it at the beginning of chapter one, two, three, four, and five. Listen to your father. Listen to your mother. Follow their lead. And I'm telling you, you will be outstanding as you develop habits, which will develop character, which will glorify God. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>